Hi everyone, this is Afro Leads, the podcast. As you know, Afro Leads consists of two sisters, myself, Steph, and my sister, Julie, and we are on a mission to promote Black British business and culture. At present, we have multiple social media platforms, our most popular being Instagram, at Afro underscore Leads, where we post positive features about Black business, groups, communities, celebrity, music, and so much more. Today, we are joined by the fabulous Gemma Kearney, the multi-award winning broadcaster, author, production company founder, and activist to name but a few attributes this wonderful lady a lot of people will recognize her work from bbc radio one bbc radio six music and articles in a number of quality publications we've always loved the the variety of her work her wit and her intelligence always shines through she's interviewed some absolute icons which we'll dig into a little deeper later on such as goldie and tracy emin and she's been awarded two sony gold trophies for her work such as Gemma tempted by teacher bruce and silence and also an interview with The Grace Jones won the Best Music Show Award from the Rose Dior. In 2015, she set up Boom Shakalaka Productions, specialising in radio, podcasts and theatre. And Gemma is also an ambassador for Oxfam and also lends her support to Women's Aid. A big welcome, big Afro-Lease welcome to the podcast, Gemma mm-hmm. Kearney. We're so honoured to have you as a guest. We've grown up listening to you and watching you and cheering you on. So it's such an honour. Thank you. Wait a minute. There's one thing I need to check here. And I don't usually ask women their age, but how old are you? Well, I'm the same age. So I'm, well, same age. She's I'm, older. She's 39. I'm, I'm 37. I'm 39. Oh, I'm 37. Wait a minute. Are you? Yeah. yeah. So you're, you're both actually older than me. Yeah. I just get re- really scared when someone says that they grew up listening to me. Oh, I think, oh, man, I'm getting... <laughs> And I don't like to put too much onus on the idea of what's old and what's not, but it's funny to think how long I have been putting myself out there as some sort of public figure that people feel connected to because often it feels like it's still day one. (laughs) I can totally imagine, but no, we have like, I think as soon as we, I think, I don't know whether it was a tweet that you'd liked first or the... Instagram when we posted about you but I literally was at work and was squealing everyone was like what on earth is going on I was like Gemma Kearney's just responded it's amazing <laughs> but um, yeah we've been massive fans forever yeah it's all about representation yeah and maybe not maybe appreciating it as you're growing up as much but do you know what I mean it's like insidious but that's what I mean we've grown up we've we've kind of watched your career and stuff and yeah that is very inspiring to me in terms of keeping on going doing what I'm doing fighting the good fight staying inquisitive always learning in my job because I didn't realize that when I first started in terms of how important it was to be a woman of color doing all the things that I'm doing because I started age 23 I grew up as everyone else was growing up that was watching me So that obviously came with some scary repercussions in terms of people analysing my my growth or whatever that means, becoming a woman. But also it did hit home at certain points that there wasn't other people like me around. And obviously that's become an ever pressing and important and urgent conversation as to why. Definitely. I suppose it leads quite nicely on to... Um, one of the things especially when we were um, sort of planning the conversation with you what were you like when you were younger and had you always thought I want to be in broadcast I want to be in 
I suppose putting yourself so out there, it's quite a vulnerable position to be, to, you know, to at 23 be so public and to do everything and learn in such a public arena. What were you like when you were younger and how did you sort of carve your career into broadcasting? What would be your opinion? What can you imagine me like as a kid? I'm genuinely intrigued. I think, and I, do you know, I, I say this because I think you are kind of like a pioneer and everything you do, you do with sort of gusto. I think you've always been really confident and I would I would probably guess as well that you've got a real kind of supported sort of network in terms of family that are like, just go for it. You're, you're, you're you, doesn't matter what anyone else is or what anybody else says, just keep being the best version of you. Because especially with your book and the things that you say in a lot of your conferences, I just think, I don't know, it, a lot of that stuff can be taught. You can do a lot of self-teaching, but some of that stuff just seems like instinct when I see you. And I just think maybe that's just been ingrained in you and, and sort of something that you've always been like. Um, yes, in terms of I've always had a, an insatiable nature and I've learned that it might be unusual. I, again, I don't think that you analyse as you grow, particularly before social media in the 90s. And actually from a more truthful perspective, coming up in adversity in many ways. I was the only black girl in my area, really. I think I think in my school, it was predominantly white. I went to an all girls school. I, I sort of started everything young, as I say. I really wanted to be grown up. My mum had mental health issues, she was a single parent. I was kind of forced to think about life a lot. Mm-hmm. and I'm also a natural born optimist so I, I snap back so whenever I saw pain or suffering or adversity I've always snapped back in quite a freakish way actually and I've had to do a lot of work on 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 unpicking as to like exactly why or whether that's always the best thing to do but in terms of my character and my like actual energy and my spirit I love beautiful things and I always have so that is love that is dancing that is a technicolor world Mm. and um and people I sometimes annoyingly really like people (laughs) I find them fascinating and mostly brilliant it's led to a lot of heartbreak in the sense that when you realize that they're not all great (laughs) it's really something to be reckoned with but I think that they are some kind of wonderful and uh, that has definitely led me on my career path especially it's always really been about humanity there's something about that that guides me to that and when I was little it was just like that by proxy because of my nature um and and coming back from adversity because it definitely wasn't all joy and rainbows there was a toughness there and my mum like is very entrepreneurial a hard worker really fun I have a sister as well uh, who I've become super close with in our adult years but that kind of real female dynamic in a household mm. was definitely 
something that spurred me on in terms of strength, especially. I think we have this kind of false idea, this halcyon glaze on what that means to be in a house full of women. It's, you know, there's this idea that it could be a bit crazy sometimes and everyone's periods get in sync. But (laughs) But actually, like, that, like, femininity is marketed as something really, like, beautiful and soft. But actually... That's also something really strong mm-hmm. and and really like kind of warrior like when it needs to be. So that has been instilled in me, mm-hmm. and super creative. So I'm a, an escapist in many ways. I love to dream. Mm-hmm. So I, as a teenager, I was a big big dreamer. I would dream about being a grown up and all the things that I would do, which is why age 13 I had the sass of a 17 year old (laughs) and I used to not be able to sleep at night because I would be dreaming about when I finally got to nightclubs how fantastical my outfits would be and how glittery they would be I mean I don't know like who or what I was in a past life but (laughs) it was definitely on the floor of Studio 54 like seriously disco is my religion like seriously but I think that definitely led me to the Brit school which again was a fantastic outlet for my insatiable nature how inquisitive I was wanting to get away from a suburban town which was very white very conservative I got a creative education there from Mm -hmm. age 16 and that was a huge a huge influence on on who I've become in terms of being open-minded and and never even thought that there was a way that wasn't progressive I've I'm shocked in 2021 that we're having the conversations that we are but but I know that it's the truth you know and we need to but um I know what joy is and I think it's really important to explore it and I sort of dedicate to to exploring it throughout my life in my work and in my personal private life too that definitely comes across with from seeing you know seeing you on television or listening to you broadcasting on the radio definitely Um, I'm glad I think I think it's so complex isn't it as Mm -hmm. as being a woman especially I say adversity just as a sort of word but without having to go into detail like how some being somebody that also knows pain or loss and what that means in its entirety, it makes it me even more of a joy activist. I used to call myself a, a youth activist yeah. because I really want to support other young people like myself to feel like they are allowed to enjoy the good things in life too. Mm-hmm. And they are allowed to flourish and thrive. But I think it, like at the moment, let's say, here in lockdown three, yeah. Perhaps that's morphed at this particular moment in this chapter and this phase into like a joy activist. I'm like, come on, come on, like <laughs> art can save lives too. And come on, come on, let's get back to the art of communication. Let's look at nice landscapes. Let's remember the importance of nature, you know, some really fundamental human things. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely come in this kind of pandemic definitely exploring the world in which you're in I've definitely done that more met people for walks when permitted and legal and all the rest of it but do you know what I mean it's even just going on your own exploring where we're 
just having that time to not be so busy with the two coming and comings and goings of life and yeah and, and it's weird isn't it it's like it's like a sort of sense of solitude that we haven't done in our society I don't think perhaps for a very long time yeah I'd agree with it's that. strange I mean, I'm not necessarily the most, normally it's the type of person that appreciates going on a walk because I think life before was so hectic and busy and I'd like to try and cram in a million and one things in a day and still do do more. But like you say, you're forced to, especially if you're only allowed out once a day, go out once a day and then you, you know, little things, I was taking pictures of plants and ducks and things like that. And I remember thinking, God, I've re- I'm really weird. I'm really different. But they, it's not weird. It's just that the simplicity of life is now beautiful. And I'm not, I'm not distracted. I've not got a million things in my mind. I'm not texting all the time or on a phone. And I think that's really beautiful. That's really a really nice thing that's come out of it. So this element of finding a bit of joy in this period is there's loads of stuff, but there's loads of miracles that have happened, I think. But we don't necessarily talk about those. I think the, the news often shines a light on the, the doom and gloom, doesn't it? So yeah, some mm. the joy activists is that's definitely something. I love that's that. Really, we'll add that to the title. You should copyright that, Gemma, yeah. immediately. <laughs> joy activists. I've, I get the feeling that both of you are joy activists. Like, you're so beaming. <laughs> just the, <laughs> the sense of vitality. As soon as I put on this Zoom, I'm just like, yes, thank you. <laughs> I want to see people smiling, please. <laughs> Um, it's really interesting to hear you talk about growing up because I think often if you see somebody as yourself we all make assumptions about different people but to hear you say that you're like the only black girl in your school I, that's news to me I didn't know that I presume you know you you know you're thriving you're doing well and you, you you're like an alumna of the Brit school and stuff so you presume that you've grown up in multicultural London so did you grow up like on the outskirts or not I've sort of been everywhere are you ready for it <laughs> <laughs> I was born in Birmingham to mixed heritage parents. So my mum is Scottish, though she doesn't have a Scottish accent because she grew up around the world. Okay. And my dad was Jamaican, my biological father. And then we moved when I was two. And that's when my mum left my biological father and we moved to South London. And then I did primary school in South London in Balham, like before it was super posh, before it was Balham, (laughs) it was Balham. (laughs) (laughs) and then my mum got a job in Sussex and took my sister and I to West Sussex so my secondary school years were completely different to the urban upbringing that I'd had in those formative years which was super multicultural and also London in the early 90s as well it kind of had a frenetic multicultural energy that really did affect me and then suddenly being in a place that was greener and up where you could afford a, a house, which we couldn't before. And I could go to a good school in terms of the league tables and wear a uniform and all that. Yeah. But I was, I think, I haven't thought about it for a while, but I think I was the only black girl in my year for my secondary school. And then as soon as I was 16, I went to the Brit school because I just, I'd been stifled and I'd got into trouble because I had nothing to do. I had no outlet. I had no understanding or sense of solidarity from my peers, really. It was much more exciting to hang out with naughtier people because, I mean, I am naughty, but <laughs> in terms of, you know, that kind of like irrepressible spirit, like I like it was like a sort of, it wasn't, I didn't get what I needed mm-hmm. in terms of sort of growth and stimulation and like academia wasn't necessarily going to be my 
my savior. So as soon as I was 16, I was traveling every day to the Brit school for an hour and a half to go to Croydon. And then, yeah, then I did like a whole like 10 to 12 years in London, moving around London, becoming like, I don't know, a broadcaster and all the rest of the things that I've done. And then, yeah, but I have like, that's why I have quite a nomadic lifestyle. I, I feel at home in quite a few places, but I feel like I've had to really investigate because yeah. it's not just anywhere it's not just like escaping for no reason or just moving for no reason or just quite like in a place I've had to really uh, like understand what home means and comfortability in an environment means but that but there's a lot of places in the UK that I really 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 like and feel lucky to have traveled to and um you're in Leeds right yeah, yeah so we, we were born near Hull so little town well we grew up in a town called Wivenstead but we, we were born near Hull um, yeah and yeah so we we echo in terms of definitely for like primary school and for me high school being the only black person in school or the only other black person would be your sibling everyone knew <laughs> like especially if um if a cousin came they knew they, knew they were coming to our house it, let's it put it that way yeah especially the <laughs> Another black person. The people have even said, "Oh, you you here to you here to see the the Jordi? It's like, yeah, that's us. <laughs> but um, and you know, it's lovely. But that's what it is. But it, it's interesting in terms of when you do move somewhere else. So like, we're now in Leeds, which is so multicultural. Yeah. In comparison, yeah. for a Londoner, you will not think it is, but for us. To walk down the street and get the black nod a few times from random strangers, like yeah, yeah. Like, there's so many of us here. It's amazing, but yeah, um, I don't know. I feel really blessed to have had both of those um, interactions and experiences because I think, especially work, in some work environments as well, where you are in predominantly white areas and spaces, it's, it's not alien to me. You know, I don't feel like I'm uncomfortable or I, don't, I shouldn't be here because I've grown up in those environments as well. But at the same time, I do love when I'm in an environment where it is, you know, really, I feel at home, you know, not to be too stereotypical, but Carnival, for example, in Leeds, where I just feel like, oh my God, I could, you know, you can just be unapologetically yourself and just embrace all that. So I do feel really lucky to have that dynamic as well. I don't know if you feel the same. And I think that the UK is the UK is the UK. I've done a lot of analysing of it, particularly since, the government has gone the way that it has and the rise of austerity. I moved out of the city, I moved to the southeast coast and then obviously Brexit as well. And it's so hard to define what this very strange island actually is. <laughs> and you can see that it is having an identity crisis, but it's not happened without perhaps some of us here having been born on this island, having our own identity crisis, perhaps. And it's really hard to define this place because there are so many different spaces and opinions and vibes and flavors of the UK, which for me is super exciting. Yeah. And is the essence of multiculturalism. Yeah. It's like you said, you feel blessed. Yeah. It doesn't have to be scary. No. It can be amazing. It can be progressive. And I am a multiculturalist and it makes some people's eye roll and I get it. It doesn't mean that I'm not raging at some of the history yeah. and, and how that is still playing out today in terms of inherited trauma and actions of hatred. But the, for me, the only way to move forward once I've bowed my head to the past of shame, basically, is 
for us to work together and we perhaps in a really utopian maybe too optimistic vision have a chance here on this weird island not because we're leaving the EU <laughs> I'm not saying that because you know like my mom went to school in Switzerland and I feel very much part of Europe in my mind I like I feel this is so strange but this strange island in amongst the discussions that are being had right now if there is a genuine resurgence of how important black lives are, if we're thinking about what that means from a bigger p- picture, from equality, we actually perhaps got somewhere as well. Look at how many mixed race people there are, mixed heritage people. Mm. There was a boom of babies like myself being born in the 80s and 90s. That surely to me is an example of integration. Mm-hmm. of sharing like <laughs> in the highest form you know um and I I don't necessarily understand like how we can suddenly say that to be British is to be white I, it's just it's unfathomable to me yeah you, you know you talk to me as British people and I and I don't get me wrong I am also super rooted in my in my black heritage too and that, I take that very seriously. Mm-hmm. And from going back, 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 you know, in terms of how important I feel it is to feel like I am also someone of African heritage, even though my dad was from the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. But we have a dynamism here that aren't, that isn't necessarily in other countries. And I've traveled to a lot of countries. In terms of like the integration, how close that a lot of people live side by side from different countries culturally. There is something really magic about this weird island. And if we took advantage of that in terms of learning to like how to live together, it would be so much better. Yeah. yeah. And I think lots of people do like that. It's a blessing. It's a real, you know, just to have impact from different cultures, whether it's often I think food can be a unifying thing, isn't it? Like food can bring people, good food can bring people together mm. or just learning about how different people appreciate like elders or I don't know there's just learning and um, music is also a really good important way to to blend and and stuff so have you seen the film rocks have you seen that film no yeah oh definitely watch it it's on Netflix it's a beautiful film I was a consultant on it which sounds a bit fancy but like I didn't really do much on it so I I feel like I was given a really nice (laughs) title there but I saw it being filmed on a day which was beautiful as well but it was a cast of actors who'd never acted before and it's a story a coming of age story about a group of young women in a London school and it's a beautiful example of sharing culture and what that means especially from an adolescent perspective where you don't really think about things in the same way that you do when you're a grown-up yeah, it's really, really, really lovely. And it's so natural because a lot of the actors have never acted before. And a lot of it was ad-libbed on set and then written like with the scriptwriter there. So yeah, rocks, I would definitely, definitely oh. recommend. I love that. I love that to the list. This list grows. Oh. I need to take like several weeks off to get through. <laughs> but um and you mentioned travel and I've read that you you're trying to travel to as many countries on the African continent as possible how many have you been to so far and which one's been your favorite it's a good question I haven't thought about in numbers because I'm rubbish with any type of data (laughs) but I have been to Sierra Leone, Mali, Ethiopia, Ghana, 
Malawi, Kenya. We're pleased to hear Ghana where British Ghana is. So Are we're you? We're like, yay, yeah. Black Stars, okay. yay. Yeah. <laughs> Am I allowed to be jealous? Is that, like, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you Ghana is such a beautiful, beautiful country. Yeah. I would like to travel it more too. What was your experience it, in Ghana? Was it amazing? It was too brief for my liking, but it was beautiful. Have okay. you spent a lot of time there? Unfortunately, not. It's, no, it's a short answer. I think I've maybe been a bit more. You've than been you more have, than me, yeah. But um, but I love, I love. Well, obviously, most of our family is there. Most of our extended family is there, and I love not being the minority for the first time ever. But they can spot you a mile off. I know, but still, it you can spot that we're not from Ghana a mile off. They're different <laughs> the way we walk or whatever. But it's like we, we are you. We're, we're home, and they're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> the same happens in Jamaica to me, <laughs> definitely. But I love the the. I just love it. I just if I'm travelling anywhere, I'm just looking out the window, looking at all of the scenery, taking it. And it's so lush and green. And we were just talking the other day. I was saying that often out the perspective that the West portrays of countries within Africa is like just desert, famine, lack, and actually it's so the opposite because number one, that the continent has been pillaged of people resources it's so lush and green I mean don't think wrong. there have been times and there are times where people and people are struggling there is poverty but there's poverty everywhere mm-hmm. and it's not to diminish that but I just you don't get that richness and the vibrancy and you know I just even like I love going to the market I just mm-hmm. love the hustle and bustle in, in the market um but then also when you see all of like the the development there's so much development mm-hmm. and technological advances it's just yeah I just I love so so much about and I just look I feel that I feel free I feel like I can shoulders relax yeah you what she's learning to tweet as well so that's another thing that I'm really jealous about I really want amazing I really want to go back and I think you really appreciate a country when you can really communicate and get and listen to the actual conversations and all that lovely stuff so yeah I'm I'm gonna have to do it she can't be better yeah There's no better time. There's no there's no excuses now that we've got this time, right? <laughs> it's so overwhelming that we're grounded in such a way, you know? But yeah, that sounds awesome, being able to go to a country that you ha- where you have a super connection and mm-hmm. being able to communicate with people. Ghana is beautiful and I totally, totally, totally agree in terms of the way that the continent of Africa is represented in the West, it's quite unfortunate because there's a lot of very special experience and a lot to learn, mm. a lot to learn yeah. if you decide not to be afraid of Africa. I love it. So, yeah, and, and it's interesting. I, I've also got the ambition to, to visit all the countries just to experience. It's such a very, it's such a vast continent. Yeah, I've only been to two or three places. There's so much to explore. And me with my insatiable nature and wanderlust, oh, my goodness. Yeah, you get me on that continent. I'm like, right, I'm never going home and I'm going to get on a motorbike. And suddenly, like you say, it's like in terms of feeling free, it's a really good way of describing it because it's like feeling free. But for me, it's really strangely profound because it's a freedom which I would never feel here because I'm quite a cautious and sensitive person in some ways, sometimes a bit like, ooh, ooh. And then suddenly the freedom factor, and, I, and I'm thinking I can become a biker chick. And 
<laughs> I, don't know. I don't even drive a car. And I'm like, yeah, I would like to <laughs> motorcycle across the continent of Africa. Wow. It's mad, but it's, it's, I think it's a beautiful thing. I climbed Mount Kenya. That was my first African trip. Oh I trekked. Goodness. It was so intense, but it, I guess maybe that's where I got that grounding of uh, freedom and a kind of sur surreal sense that I can do things because I never had done anything like that ever. And I got asked by a charity whether I would be up for it. And I stupidly said yes, and it was yeah. so scary. Was it, was it hard? Was it mentally quite draining? Yeah. You just live each second for each second. I can't really describe it more than that. You don't really think about the next day. You think about like where your foot's going next. <laughs> how, how many days was this uh, trek? It's like nine days up and down. No, not for me. That that is second not... highest mountain in Africa. No. I don't know what I was playing at, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it does. You probably weren't thinking. It's so true. It was that, and then I fell in love, like with with. With you know the motherland, I fell I fell for her, so it must have been worth it. <laughs> yeah. Wow, meant to be. That's hardcore. <laughs> so I mean, it's just really random, and um, because I've I've done the like national three peaks, and I've done the Yorkshire three peaks more not recently. Same. Yeah, not the not same. The same really, just the the day. <laughs> but after the the day we did the Yorkshire three peaks, it was awful weather. It was just horrendous, and it rained and. Yeah, I, I just thought, oh gosh, nine days. Like, did you lose several toenails? <laughs> <laughs> I tell you some secrets of it that are a bit gross. I didn't know that a human being, this is myself, I didn't know that I could be so smelly. <laughs> I didn't know that it was possible. I've been to festivals and like done a baby whitewash and been like, oh, blimey, this is a bit like rolling around in the mud, like in the thick of it. But that was something else. I was just like, oh my God, no water could like, it's just, it's just so hard. It's like a real, like, it's just crazy because all you're doing is putting more and more clothes on you to survive. It's survival. It's just pure survival. And that, the, the urge of survival ain't pretty, you know? <laughs> so that was one thing that I learned. Um, I, I started to imagine dinosaurs like coming around the corner because we didn't see many other people. There were quite a big group of us, but when you don't see other people and you're in such wilderness and you're in the elements like that, you can really get a sense of what it was like before time. <laughs> and some of the prehistoric plants and stuff, you're just like, Whoa. so that was weird. And then also the weather thing, kind of definitely kicked my naivety to the curb because I thought I was going to Africa. I knew we had trained, etc., and we had experts with us, but we you can't quite imagine how cold it can be the mm -hmm. higher you get. Actually clever people probably, yes. <laughs> Expedition types, yes, but not me. <laughs> I had a romantic view. I've talked about my eternal optimism. One day I started like shouting at the hailstones because they were just like in my face all day. And I was like, seriously, can you just leave it out? <laughs> but I didn't think you'd have those extremities of weather. Yeah, because you're just going so high. So to be fair, you probably trained up good and proper if you've done the Yorkshire Peaks. Oh, no, no, it was one of those things of, yeah, we'll do the, the good thing to raise some money. And like people who've done it before, 
like you know it's a different kind of fitness as well like you might think oh I would go to the gym or run away it's completely different and you know yeah my heart goes off to you that's nine this was just one day and you've mentioned doing it again I'm never doing it again I'll give you the come on you gotta do it you got to you got to <laughs> but it's... you loved it look you're smiling you loved it <laughs> yeah I've still got yeah no I'll give you no. the money well, well, Mount Kenya Mount Kenya gosh I think I well, don't do sh- it to do Kenya I'm, I'm, Kenya is like on my I do yeah. it to see you do it would you do it <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh! Oh, I think that'll be late. You can't stand festivals. You can't stand one day. (laughs) She's absolutely right. She's going completely (laughs) under the I would love to do. I would love. It'd be such a no. You you like the idea? It's like the idea of it. It's oh yeah, but then actually the doing is a whole other. Kind of, yeah, you're right. <laughs> you know what? It's good. To, it's good to know what you like. Yeah. And even if you don't know what you like, it's good to know what you don't like. <laughs> Would you ever do something like that again, knowing what you went through? You know what? It's such an interesting question because I just don't know. It, sometimes I'd be like, no way. And then other times I'm like, oh man, why have I got these weird instincts to get up a mountain? It's so strange life. It just depends on where you're at, right? Yeah. Totally. And who's asking, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. True. It's true. Love could do crazy things to you, especially. <laughs> In terms of where you're just like suddenly like, yeah, of course I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> like just it's just like it just depends on like where you're at. But yeah, at the moment I'm going out with quite an adventurous type and I, I'm becoming adventurous again when I where I, I wasn't for a few years. I was like, I'm never doing anything like that again. And now I'm like trying to dig for it again. So I think it depends on how confident you feel. And actually, do you know what? The more that I've traveled, I do feel like it is a gift, mm-hmm. but I also feel like it is to do with the confidence as well. Yeah. And especially as a woman and especially as a black woman, because the more I travel, the more I get annoyed that I don't see black people doing adventure travel in the places mm-hmm. that I go. And it does annoy me because I want to. And yeah. I think that like we all deserve like that in life. If that's if that's what we want, yeah. you know, like to to really embrace this idea of wanderlust and movement and like a sort of beautiful borderless multicultural mentality mm-hmm. and how we can learn from other cultures, etc. I just really, really would like to experience like more different types of people on on big trips or big adventures yeah again the representation of seeing you do it or being aware that it then it opens up the possibility that it can be for for other people definitely I think I don't know it is you're right travel is such a gift and it's such a privilege as well that's one thing I've learned and and come to appreciate yeah. I think we often take things and especially you know traveling on a British passport as well opens up yeah the world that if you were born somewhere else you'd have a lot more, more barriers tape. more red tape yeah. to overcome even if you you know you you have the means but you still have to you've got an extra hurdle to get a visa or whatever so yeah we, we are really kind of blessed in that regard but yeah, yeah. you're absolutely right and I'm humble to that but it's all of us you know as women yeah as yeah. women of color like let's get out there because it's so life enriching particularly you know afro leads as an example i guess you guys at some points kind of exploring the idea of being a leader like mm. lead leaders go forth and and like are bold and 
Yeah, I don't know. Like travel is amazing. I feel like it's a gift that you can give yourself and it's a priority of mine in my life. So it must be quite difficult now because it's just obviously not having the freedom to do that because it's out of your hands, isn't it? I did manage to go to Malawi in 2020 um, as part of a project, as part of a project, which I, I haven't written about publicly yet, but I will do. But it was very interesting to go to Africa in the year that fear has become a very dominant emotional factor in the country where I live. And then to go somewhere where that just wasn't a feeling in the air to do with a pandemic because the numbers are really low etc and it was very again interesting in terms of narrative because as westerners our narrative is um to it's often you know pushed upon the narrative of looking at Africa it's a bit like we we're saying but it, as a travel destination but it's like oh Africa it's it's poor and it needs our expertise of education and aid and don't get me wrong, I've been an Oxfam ambassador for many years, etc. So I'm always exploring these narratives. But suddenly it's just flipped. It's like, oh, you you live in the UK, you know, and I'm like, yeah, and like, oh, oh sorry. Like, <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, how interesting is that? Yeah. Crazy, isn't it? It's fascinating. People didn't whip round before before Gemma's got go back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> This is Afrofuturism. Yes. Trust me. <laughs> the motherland doesn't need our pity. No. We need to give ourselves the pity here. Absolutely. Oh, wow. That's really liberating. I'm jealous. I'm jealous of you. Don't be jealous. Just, just plan your own trip. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's right. So, again, talk about inspirations, talking about being a black woman who was doing like a lot of things that are... Um, I, like I always say the word pioneering and I don't want it to ever be a word that's dumbed down ever because it is it's amazing what you do and Boom Shackle Productions is another area where I just thought yet again smashing it mm. tell me about how you know what was the process behind it how do how do you do it because you do so much how does it all come <laughs> together and how do you obviously continue to do all these successful ventures I did burn out you know did you um yeah I did so I do do a lot and I know that people find it amazing and I sometimes have to stop and like look at a landscape and think and I sort of reverberate because I do do a lot partly because I have to do a lot to be taken seriously to grow as a, as a person to make money <laughs> um, to to develop and evolve my personal politics all of these things so yeah I am very proud of all the things that I've done but it is possible <laughs> to burn the flame too bright and when you have other factors going on as well like I have like quite a big sensitive soul so I'm constantly trying to keep connections going like in my personal life and like go on other people's journeys as an empath with them which is just not good or you know like make sure everyone's okay and um, without necessarily looking after myself Because it's it can be running away to constantly be working or putting yourself in high octane situations. And as I said, like my upbringing wasn't necessarily smooth sailing, so sometimes that can all just get uprooted. So I was dealing with a particular neighbour that I had a dispute with, and without going into all the details, because it's just so boring, and also just like really quite upsetting because I was bullied for a while by this guy. 
And it just uprooted so much stuff. And I was still working, 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 which is usually my coping mechanism and putting out there and putting out there and like sort of fighting in a way, like I'm battling a lot, a lot of injustice in a way, I think to myself sometimes. And yeah, I just got exhausted. I got exhausted. And and then you just sort of down tools and have to really think about like, what do you need to pick back up? Yeah. And how and what can you do that's a bit sort of safer for you? You know, it's like to exist in a space that is actually like good for you. (laughs) And that is when you start to say no. Yeah. But on the other hand, I have worked so hard that there are so many things that have been watered enough to grow that they can grow without me anyway, you know. Boom Shakalaka being one of those. I am the founder of a production company through what I felt was a point of necessity. I was working on the early breakfast show on Radio One. I was getting up at 3 a.m. every day. This is quite a few years ago now. I was hoping and hoping and hoping to get a daytime show. And that's all you can really do when you're in that grid system of a huge network within an institution. I was exhausted, but I was so full of ambition. And I kept seeing in the labyrinth that I was in, like these barriers. I kept sort of smashing my head against a wall every time I was getting close to something or I'd be invited in for a meeting in terms of development. So ideas and be like rinsed of ideas. And I'd look around the room and then no one looked like me. And then I wouldn't get the job anyway, but I'd see a version of it like a few months later with someone else presenting it. Or I would be asked to host all these initiatives about diversity and I would be like oh hi yeah 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 I'm not only the host but I also like know a lot of people like myself if not way better than me creators progressive thinkers artists production people that can do all of these things Mm. and it's just so bizarre to me that people just weren't listening I've like I've really worked really hard I've worked my way up in this world in this industry in this business whatever it is that anyone wants to call it and I've been open to critique I've made mistakes I've been incessant with ideas and like this abundance of passion why are you finding it so difficult to diversify across the board I just <laughs> don't understand and why am I not getting some of these jobs and then like more the like it becomes ever present that there is just such systemic sexism and racism yeah. everywhere and so I was knackered and part alive <laughs> whilst presenting daily radio and just thought oh forget this I'm starting a production company and I was like, I don't have any clue how to actually do that <laughs> but I know amazing people and I feel lucky to have made these connections in my however long my career had been at that particular point my professional career as a broadcaster for maybe seven or eight years and I was like I've worked with some extraordinary people I know extraordinary people of all types so there's there's no reason why a production company can't be more of a trustable outfit than me (laughs) and speaker's corner (laughs) which is kind of like where I'm at this particular point but Boom Shakalaka Productions just was born. And then we we became a multidisciplinary startup, I guess, in the sense of what we were making, because for me, that represents the world that we're in. We're all, 
they used to call them slashes, which might not be quite right. But like, if someone had like more, like a few things to their name, yeah, yeah, like yeah. I'm a, like, yeah, like I slash 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 slash, <laughs> and that is the world that we're in. So that's what the production company we made, we produced, and we worked in theatre, and we've consulted campaigns, and we've made adverts, and some really really cool radio documentaries and where we actually reflect what we say in terms of ethics and that's about making sure that the underrepresented voice whatever that may mean whatever that may mean is given that voice because storytelling is a key part of of modern living 100 percent, yeah because you think about stories that's what's kept whether whatever your community voice it's your family or village or your town that's what people people do gather and spread the you know and share those. That was like the entertainment, isn't it? Before you've got like modern media, and it's really interesting because I love that you have the production. It's like taking control. Yeah. You're not waiting on someone else to say yes, we'll do that. You just can produce what you want, and that's so important that more and more yeah people within our community are doing that. They're taking ownership. They're your, your ideas, well. and you've got the means to bring those ideas to life. You're not waiting for someone else to give it a green light. Yeah, because 100%. And imposter syndrome is a problem. Money is a problem. So with Boom, I had a full-time job, so I could put some of my own money into it. But don't get me wrong. I am not Idris Elba. <laughs> I did not have a team of financial people a big stash of cash from being in the film, etc. you know, to be able to just like invest into doing this and, and that. So a lot of it comes from such determination and also like not focusing too much on the capital side of things at all points, but like its root, its core, its authenticity, what it's trying to say. And that's what Boob Jackalaka is. And I did it with my best friend. So my best friend is the director of it now, which helps. She's extraordinary. She always has been. She's an incredible brain. Um, and also super passionate, super politicized and, and, and really cares about making sure that these stories are told and that these teams are brought together in the best way that they can be. It's amazing seeing it from um, somebody. So I've not always been that kind of aligned with my creative side. I probably still, we started doing Afro Leeds stuff anyway. But when you kind of hear the stories of black women or just people of colour for all demographics in the North as well, and they're told no quite a few times. And then for whatever reason, something might become quite, you know, um, this recent Black History Month was lots of amazing TV that was put on. And unfortunately, I think we were told once that the, was, there was a quiz show that was filmed, or oh, the yeah. pilot was filmed um, quite, a number, of years quite a number of years ago and was nothing, you know, never put out. And then obviously because of the effect, events of last year, it was seemed a good time to put it out. And I think, what a shame, because, you know, you would have had still positive feedback. You would have still had the audience there when, when it was initially commissioned or, you know, produced and whatever. So the fact that you've taken it into your own hands, it's so inspiring. Stuff like that, it, for me, this is why I think it's, this is the passion part of Afro Leeds for me. Yes, it's fun to research. And for myself, I get a lot out of seeing great stories. That's great for me personally. But the hashtag and, you know, we say representation matters all the time. That, for me, is the, one of our core values because... We necessarily didn't have that a lot when we were younger, but now there's an abundance of it. It's not in the mainstream media, so why don't we put it out there for people? So it's, you don't have to even look for it, it's there. Yeah. 
the, the conditions are right, aren't they? To 100%, not to bypass the kind of traditional people who would greenlight certain things, and actually they're now clamouring to try and get a piece of the pie because yeah. this internet, which is can be a force for good, can be a force for evil, it's just allowing a lot more creative freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so fantastic and overwhelming. And I know that there'll be a lot of people listening, feeling like, what? Well, I've got so much. And and you probably do, whoever's listening. I really do. I don't think that I am on any higher pedestal. I'm just not. Like, I have fought really hard and, I'm, and I know that I work really hard and I continue to do so. But I know that you have the talent too. <laughs> like I know it's just not been given necessarily the chance. And I, and I do fight in front and behind the scenes to change that because it's not right. And I do think that the internet and people taking action and doing things for themselves is yes, like you say, like a very inspirational and beautiful thing. But I also know that it's overwhelming because there's just so many different directions that you can go. We have so much information, don't we? We have so much. So it's also about like giving yourself that moment to reflect work out who it is that you really are really what it is that you want to give it's like you said your core values for me that's inspiring because you know your core values whereas perhaps I haven't always I've just sort of been like ah (laughs) and that's partly to do with my career trajectory and having been so young as well and also just sort of being puppeteered slightly Mm. like picked up and plonked into a spot Oh, and told that I'm not quite girly enough I'm not quite this enough oh and picked up and plonked into a spot and it's a bit exhausting but um fascinating and boom shakalaka has done some wicked stuff i'm in awe of some of the projects that it's produced and yeah and there's just been so many different things that i've done i'm going to be 36 this year and i i honestly can't believe it i look back and i just cry i'm like i can't believe it people are like yeah we'll get used to it you did it i started written a book i started a production company I've been in radio for over 10 years. I've presented on every BBC network. I've climbed Mount Kenya. Like, I literally would, would never have known that. I just wanted to get to a nightclub. I was desperate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's did, it, did it meet your expectation when you actually did first go clubbing? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can imagine doing anything, especially with your line of work as well. The, opportunities the part oh the clothing everything you're always the dazzle side of it is alluring I'm not gonna lie but at the same time it can be created even in your lounge my sister and I used to watch Top of the Pops together and turn the light switch on and off whilst wearing our party clothes so (laughs) it's the groove is in our heart I found out the hard way I definitely have found out the hard way (laughs) some of it's amazing some of it's absolutely whack I promise this like the true extremes the dichotomy is real (laughs) so it's got to the time where we're going to ask you the melanin magic question which is what are your hopes and dreams for black British culture in the next five to ten years and do you have any insights on how we're going to get there (sighs) can you help me out please (laughs) help This is where I leave a big pause in the podcast for somebody to fill in the gap. <laughs> Answers on a postcard, please. <laughs> um, so I keep bandying around quite a big statement, mm-hmm. even in the local shops. 
I mean, that's the only interaction we have at the moment, isn't it? That's true. <laughs> that'd be true. All the postmen. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> <laughs> but I keep saying something about a brave new world. I'm not the only one to be saying it, but I like it as a sentiment. I think that we are in a very confusing age. And I don't mean my age specifically, just an age, a time period in history where we can kind of choose to live however we want. And I think if we were to be truly brave about that in terms of living to our, our fullest potential, then some wonderful things are to be achieved in our lifetimes. And I think being black and British is just something that is just so important. And I really am humbled to the fact that it's about exploring the past, being positive about the future, and being real in the present. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. Really love that. Mm. But I really believe it. I think so. I think so. We have to be in the present. We really do. Mm. But I think we can be in the present in a much more enjoyable way if we are being positive about what the future could be. Mm. And that's got to be recognised collectively. That ain't one person. We keep looking for our icons. It doesn't exist in a brave new world. We are them. Yeah. All of us, us, we are. Everything is becoming more and more individualized. We are now forced to, to be at home alone. Mm-hmm. I am really worried about the isolation factor from a metaphysical level mm-hmm. of what's going to happen. But if we choose to push through that mm-hmm. and use it as a time for learning, a time for rest, a time for recuperation, being black and British is so unique. Having traveled the world, there is no one else like us. Mm-hmm. We understand multiculturalism and it's important. Togetherness is really important in the rise of separatism. Yeah. Yeah, that's where I'm at. <laughs> that's a really powerful lots to like ponder on and think about. I just loved how you wove every, you know, like the past, past the present, present and the future. future because yeah, you I can't love that. move on meaningfully if you you know, if you just ignored what happened before yeah and it's painful yeah it's not it's this is not like I know I was saying like joy activism is important but it's hard it's hard it's hard to accept a lot of stuff but it's about moving on from that too we have the opportunity to do that there's such an amazing conversation happening out there and um it's pretty serious I think but like in a way that I cannot help but feel potentially excited about yeah because we're still young we are young women we are young black British women (laughs) we got a while I I ain't letting like bitterness set in yet nah we got Mount Kenya to climb, babes. Watch, you will wait for you, Gemma. You will so regret it. You will so regret it. Like when you're actually doing it with me and I'm stinking and moaning and shouting at hailstones, you're going to be like, why did I say yes to this? Especially this one. I know, Honestly, I'm the amount of moaning about toilets at one day festivals it's good to know what you don't like babe it's fine <laughs> Thank you. I'll see you at, uh, at the end we'll see you at the end for a cocktail which I'm also very much <laughs> I think it's quite an important note like not to put too much pressure on ourselves as well yeah, yeah. definitely
Definitely. I, I do like philosophizing. I do. It's, I find it, it's like, it's something that's important for me in my life. Not everybody has to be like, hmm, you know, you can, don't have to put pressure on yourself. Just know that you have the potential to do everything. Yeah. No, so many people. I just find people so fantastic. Honestly, I just, I just, I can see it in them all the time. Even like people that have been like, quote unquote, forgotten mm. or marginalized it makes me mad because they're some of the most brilliant souls yeah. yeah and often if you take time to find out a bit about their story so resilient and the fact that they're still here is a miracle in itself yeah and it's been a real pleasure speaking to you today and you did at the start you mentioned that school or whatever you, you were not I don't think you're not I just think this world likes to contain people it's a one-size-fits-all model and if you're not conforming then you're a problem but I'm just glad that you you don't we didn't conform because you wouldn't be you and you wouldn't be sharing because you have a real gift if you love people yeah you you love what is it the essence of of what makes people individual and we need people like you we need more people like you yeah um, and you must have really interesting shopping trips if you're you know talking about <laughs> these issues as well and, and stuff so thank you just for like for being here and, and genuinely I feel like when we said we grew up with you and we know we're similar age I'm a, just a tiny bit older but it's just representation as I'm getting older I'm being more aware of it and just how important it has been in my past and in my present like and we and yeah, so don't underestimate. And I appreciate you work so hard to be yeah. in this. But we do know, we know for you to be in the spaces that you're in, you've got to be like thick skinned, you know, 150, 200% better than, you know, your counterparts. other counterparts yeah. because it is harder. The expectations are higher. And but you've always been so unique. Yeah. And we love that. And that's so important because there Thank are you. girls and boys whether they're similar age or younger, looking up and thinking, well, if you can be you and occupy that space and not have to look like the other carbon copies, then there's space in this world for me. So just, yeah, thank you. And thanks for coming. Thank you. That's really kind. I really do appreciate it. Because sometimes when I reflect on some of them clown outfits that I've worn along the way, well. Wow. No. I, I just think you're amazing. Everything about you is just unique and yeah. just wicked. Absolutely. Thank you. Can I um, recommend like three things that I've found incredible at the moment? Yeah. Oh, I've already done the film. So the film is Rocks. Yeah. For anyone that wants to watch a coming of age film about the, the most important thing, which is friendship, female friendship. And it's on Netflix. A book that I have read recently is an essay on creativity. And I don't just think it's for creative types. I think it's for anyone and it's not too long. And it's Kay Tempest, who was known as Kate Tempest, the poet, and their book, Kay Tempest, and it's called On Connection. And it's a very deep philosophical, but easy to read poetically written book on the importance of connection. And in fact, perhaps the healing that can happen within connection. That sounds great. And Desert Island Discs, Always good, better than any self-help book. If you haven't listened to Ian Wright's Desert Island Discs, get ready, get ready, because it's a tearjerker, but it is absolutely beautiful. Really? Yeah. Thank you. And I love how you cover a variety of mediums as well. Any recommendations? 
I'm non-stop, honestly, for those that are actual friends of me. It's just a nightmare. <laughs> I love that. Honestly, I really do love that. So how can our listeners get in touch with you, follow you? Are you happy to share your social media handle? Yeah, go on then. Lots of sparkly mermaid stuff on Instagram. Gem again. So it's G-E-M-A-G-A-I-N, me again. <laughs> On Twitter, I'm Jem Ken, which is half of both my names, G-E-M-C-A-I-R-N. They're the best places to find me. I have a Patreon page, which I'm experimenting with if anyone wants to read some of my writing. It's lots of splurts that you, you sign a subscription for. I'm not writing on it enough at the moment, but I would like to. And I am writing a book called The Immortal Sisterhood about women that have been written out of history and oh, wow. fabulous that's right up my street amazing it's like you've I'm excited I did yes yes <laughs> <laughs> I wrote it for all of us because we're all in it we're yeah. all in the sisterhood oh, um exciting yeah, it's cool. It's gonna. It's not going to be out for a while, but I'm really excited about researching it, writing it, the building. I call it building a book because I get a bit overwhelmed and I, I'm not a conventional writer. But um, I, I'm looking forward to taking that on tour, etc. at some point. Like when freedom hits, it's going to hit hard. <laughs> How exciting. Oh, wow. Yeah. Love it. So that's it, I think. Yeah. Is that it for yeah. oh, I don't, I don't want this to end, honestly. I feel like I've got a new bestie. Um, We've pondered over everything. <laughs> <laughs> we wanted to ask you more about your current book and women of the world, but maybe another time. But it's been such an honour to have you. Thank you. Thank you so much. You two are beautiful. Cheers. It's been really nice to hang out with you virtually. It really has. You're really lovely. Nice oh, to see you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a huge honour. And thanks for everybody that's listening. That's it from us. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>